beautiful humans. Welcome to another episode of Role Models, Juicy Conversations with Beautiful Humans. I'm Jennifer Norman, founder of the Human Beauty Movement and your host. This podcast thrives on your support. So if you like what you hear, follow us, rate us, review us, and share this episode with everyone across your networks. Now, today we're going to talk about a very important topic. It is burnout. So many of us are parents who take care of others, but oftentimes we forget to take care of ourselves. My guest today is Dr. Susan Landers. Susan is an author, a speaker, a mom of three, a neonatologist with over 34 years experience in neonatal intensive care medicine. Susan suffered through a difficult midlife period that caused burnout after the birth of her third child, and this propelled her to make a life choice, which included a career change. She has recently released her new book, So Many Babies, My Life Balancing a Busy Medical Career and Motherhood. Welcome, Susan. Oh, thank you, Jennifer. It's a pleasure to be here talking with you. It's a pleasure to host you now. You're a doctor. You've worked full-time for over 30 years in a demanding role, and you raised three kids. Tell us what that was like. Oh, wow. It was always a challenge. And I loved my medical career. I became a doctor and a neonatologist before I got married and became a mom. And so my identity was quite a bit wrapped up in being a NICU doctor. And I loved that. I loved working with sick babies and mothers and babies. And then when I got married and we decided to have children, I thought, I'll be a perfect mother. I'm a pediatrician. I know everything about kids, which was not true. I learned a lot as I went along. We had three children within the first seven years, and I literally flew by the seat in my pants. Working full-time, had a nanny at home, we were very fortunate to be able to afford that. And my husband was also a pediatrician, so he was very helpful. But you still have to learn how much work you can do and how much you can protect your home life. And does the stress from work spill over into raising children? And then there's the what do your children throw at you? You know, my son had some difficult years in preschool and kindergarten. And, you know, things like that, that you face as you become a mother, I think as we have more children too, and we're still working, each child brings out different strengths and different weaknesses in us. So I'd like to talk about spending the first seven years learning how to be a good mom. And I'm not sure I was every minute. Sometimes I work 24-hour shifts, and there's no easy way to be away from your children for that many hours, even if your husband's there or nanny's there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I brought a lot of mom guilt home with me. Sometimes I brought a short temper and anger home with me if a case wasn't going correctly or there were some difficult parents. And so in the beginning of my career, I literally learned along with my friends how to be a working mother. I was fortunate. I had a lot of other doctor friends who 
who had children at the same time. We saw each other at work. We bounced ideas off each other. It was so wonderful to have that support of other women going through exactly the same challenges. We moved jobs. We moved to a different city. My husband got a great job offer with a promotion and a raise. And my job was just okay. We had three little kids. My youngest was still nursing. And this is the period of my life. I had just turned 40. So new job, three kids, turned 40, new house, new schools, every one of the life stressors you can have. And I burned out. I became depressed. I was still working, still taking care of my kids, but it was a very unpleasant time. Fortunately, a friend of mine recognized that I was acting depressed. You know, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I was in a bad mood all the time. All of the signs of depression. But my baby was 12 months old, so I didn't really think it was postpartum depression. I thought it was all the stress from my work and the move and being a mom to three kids. So I started therapy with a good psychiatrist who helped me sort through all of my issues. I will never forget the day that I described to him. My life was like person on the stage of the Ed Sullivan show who runs around and spins sticks and plates balance on the spinning sticks and you add more sticks and you spin more plates and you run around and you keep your plates from wobbling and you're just running from plate to plate and you're just spinning more plates and you're just frantic and hectic. And I described to him that was my life because that's how I imagined it. I was just going from child to child to work to husband to school to clinical research or whatever. And he looked at me and he said, why don't you take down some of the plates? And I thought, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I mean, literally, it was an epiphany when he said that. And over the next six months, he helped me to sort through the plates, the issues, what was most important, what was not, what was I going to leave behind because I was doing too much. I literally was trying to be everything to everybody. Yeah. I think a lot of working moms, career moms especially, fall into that trap. We're so used to achieving and succeeding in our careers that we think we're supposed to be perfect in every aspect of our lives. I learned that nobody else was going to take care of me but me. I mean, my husband cared and my friends cared, of course, but I learned that I had to exercise. Running was my thing for a long, long time. I learned that I had to talk with friends. I learned that I had to have some time off. This working 50 or 60 hours a week is crazy. I learned that. My children were allowed to say, mom, you're really grouchy today. And we talked a lot about my controlling my anger and my yelling at my kids when I was tired after a long night on call. So I did lots of things to learn how to take care of myself while I was being a mother to three busy children. And during that same period of time, I learned, I think, what it means to be a good enough mother. I mentioned when I started, I wanted to be a perfect mom and discovered that was impossible. You can't work full time and be a perfect mother. But being a good enough mother, I think, is about working at a job in which you're 
fulfilled and that gives you pleasure that gives you satisfaction and and feeling worthwhile and also having time to be a mother but not a full-time mom a mom who's gone some of the time and that trade-off means your kids do not have you all the time. They learn to be a little more independent. They learn that you have other priorities, not just them. And so that's what I think a good enough mother is. I think it's a working mom who allows herself to do various things, not just be a mother, but also have a career, have a job, have a relationship, have her own friends. And so it was during my midlife that I learned really how to be a good enough mother and felt that I really was that. And so now you provide coaching and mentorship on how to prevent burnout. Can you talk about the difference between what it means to be burnt out versus stressed out? Oh yeah. There's a lot of burnout among healthcare providers right now. And the pandemic really dealt a bad deal to all the healthcare providers, especially those hospital-based, but office-based too. Because of the stresses, all the sick people, inadequate bed space, vaccine conflicts, arguments over medicines and vaccines, they were given not only too much work, but also too much emotional burden at work. It wasn't just taking care of patients who were dying. It was taking care of too many patients and not having anything to do about it. So healthcare burnout creates physical exhaustion from too many hours at work, emotional overwhelm from issues, ethical issues, cases that don't go well, death and dying, those sorts of things. And when a healthcare provider recognizes physical exhaustion and being emotionally overwhelmed, they tend to detach and depersonalize from their patients. I noticed it once when I was much older in my 60s, I felt like I was sort of not as involved with my patients and I wasn't as involved with my colleagues either. But the crowning blow to healthcare provider burnout, burnout that physicians and nurses have is when you feel you're no longer making a difference. When I felt like I was just going through the motions, I wasn't making a difference, nothing mattered, that's when I knew that I had burnout. And so that's a classic case of burnout for a physician or nurse. I think what working mothers are experiencing is the feeling that they can't be everything to everybody. They are grouchy with their kids. They might yell at their kids. Their relationship with their husband or partner is strained. They are not relying on their friends. They're drinking more wine. I've been there. They're not exercising. They're not sleeping well. They're maybe working too many hours. If they're a manager, they're worrying about their coworkers and whether they're doing okay. Managers tend to worry a lot about schedules of their people and accommodate other people instead of taking care of themselves. I don't know if you have to be a perfectionist to get working mother burnout, but you sure have to try to do everything for everybody. Whether it's your children, your husband, your job, not seeing your friends, not taking care of yourself. Working mother burnout shows up very similar to 
physician burnout. The mom feels like she just can't deal with her kids. She just can't deal with that job she hates. She just can't deal with her husband's relationship with her. And so it's a sense of being overwhelmed by all the things in your life that you're challenged with. All the thing, you know, the pandemic asked women to do all the household chores, work from home, and homeschool their kids remotely for two years. Working mothers had to do all that. That is onerous. And I think that anybody that made it through that and looks back and says, wow, that was awful. She's got my respect because it was an awful time. It was a lot of stress. And some mothers who are still working full time are burnt out as a result of it. Yes, I actually read a statistic from Mental Health America's 2022 Mind the Workplace report. So this is recent, that 80% of employees agree that the stress from work affects their relationships with family, friends, and coworkers. And 47% of physicians reported feeling burnt out last year, which is up from a rate of 42% in 2020. Yeah. So numbers are getting worse. They are. They are. You mentioned the stress from work. And I noticed when I felt burnout as a physician, it was long before the pandemic, but there were difficult cases. There was a chaotic NICU. It was busy. Lots of triplets, lots of twins, maybe a set of difficult parents, maybe too many emergency deliveries. It was too much stress in the workplace, sometimes too much noise, sometimes too many interruptions sometimes chaotic management. And so even people who aren't in healthcare can be stuck in a workplace that's too loud, that's too mean, that's too critical, that is without teamwork, where your manager doesn't care about you. I think any workplace can be perverted by folks with bad attitudes, especially if somebody doesn't know what a working mother is going through. If you have a, a manager that's a man who does not have children or his children are grown or he's divorced and his wife takes care of the kids, that manager may not appreciate why you need to get to the school at 2 p.m. on Thursday for a parent-teacher conference. That manager may not realize why you want to do two days a week remote from home and not every day in the office. So I think that the workplace characteristics also play into working mother burnout. Too many responsibilities at work. A manager that's not listening to you. You're feeling like you're not a member of the team. You're just there doing your job. Those kind of things, I think, really burden working mothers. And I bet a lot of people are like I was. You do carry some of that home with you. I remember going home and pouring up a glass of wine and unloading on my husband and him saying, oh, yeah, I know there's nothing you can do about it, but that didn't help. I mean, what I should have done is talk to my director. So I think that there are things that working mothers can do. The survey that you read 
also mention the importance of flexible scheduling, the importance of remote work for people who have long commutes, the importance of self-care. For me, uh, Jennifer, learning how to take care of myself and when I was a young adult, and especially in my 40s, was so important. I had to figure out that if I didn't get exercise, if I didn't get sleep, if I didn't get outside walking in nature, I didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. My mood was affected. Mm -hmm. We know clearly that being out in nature improves mood. Yeah. Exercising 20 minutes three times a week improves mood and sleep. Mm -hmm. We know that having social support and good friends improves mood and your emotional health. And so part of what working mothers are doing right now, I think, is relearning how to take care of themselves. Now that the pandemic is a little less frightening, a little less scary, our children are back in school, I think we all need to take a breath, look at our home life, talk to our partner, look at our work life, our jobs, and think about the issues. I have developed a checklist and I tested it out with some millennial moms. It's very short. It's only got 21 items on it. It's a checklist to determine if working moms are overstressed or burnout. And it's on my website, susanlandersmd.com slash burnout. So your listeners can go to that website and find that free checklist. And I've been told by millennial moms, nurse practitioners, and young physicians that they thought it was a helpful way to just kind of review the issues in their lives. What about their relationship? What about their children? What about their job? What about their health? What about their mental health? What about friendships? And so the little checklist takes you through all of those items that I hope will help other working mothers figure out where they are and how to get unstuck. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for that resource. You talk about symptoms and signs of being burnt out versus depressed, but what about postpartum depression? What are some of the things? I know that you also said that you thought that you might have it, but weren't sure because it was after the fact, it was about a year later. What are some of those things that young moms can look for to know or identify whether or not they actually have postpartum depression? Well, postpartum depression in general occurs within the first three to six months after having a baby. Not always, but usually. It can occur anytime in the first 12 months. It generally starts with a depressed mood. You know, the baby blues only last two or three weeks and everybody's exhausted and sleepy and can't function well in the first month. But postpartum depression makes women feel like they don't want to function well. They don't want to take care of their baby or they're overwhelmed by the idea of caring for their baby or they're scared that they're going to hurt their baby. Their mood is depressed, of course. They can't sleep. They're eating either not enough or too much. They usually have 
behaviors that family members recognize as not being able to take care of themselves, not getting a shower, not getting a bath, not taking the baby outside in a stroller. So mom's behavior becomes very inward and she draws within herself. Some mothers even have ideations of harming their baby. Now, the good news about postpartum depression is that it is totally treatable. I want your listeners to know it's very common. About one in eight pregnant women will get some degree of postpartum depression, and it is treatable with either psychotherapy or medications or both. Postpartum depression has to be talked about so that dads husbands, partners can help mom recognize that if she's acting abnormal more than just being sleepy because the baby's up all night, that she can get some help. Nowadays, when mothers take their baby to see the pediatrician, the pediatrician will give moms new moms, the first few months, a checklist. I think it's 10 or 11 items for postpartum depression. It's a great index. It's a quick three-minute thing in the office that could clue some of us into, wow, this is really more than just baby blues. Wow, I really need to talk to somebody. But I want to emphasize that postpartum depression is treatable. It is a medical condition. It is not something to be ashamed of. It is a neurobiological abnormality in your brain as the result of pregnancy, delivery, other life stresses. There's one more thing a lot of people don't know about postpartum depression I wanted to mention. Breastfeeding difficulties like sore nipples, raw nipples, abnormal latch, struggling with milk supply, real breastfeeding difficulties, second, third, fourth month, they tend to correlate with postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. Women try so hard to breastfeed. 85% of American women start out after birth nursing their children. And within three months, that's dropped down to about half that many. The reason I'm saying this is that breastfeeding difficulties that don't get help, mothers with problems who aren't supported tend to feel worse and worse about themselves as a mother. And so if any of your listeners are having breastfeeding difficulties and haven't sought help, that is even more important. So they don't get discouraged and don't develop depression. So the correlation between breastfeeding difficulties and postpartum depression is pretty clear, mm -hmm. but it's all treatable. It's all fixable. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that information, which is extremely important. And also the fact that feeling burnout, feeling overwhelmed, feeling anxious, feeling stressed out, having postpartum depression, there is no shame. There is absolutely right. nothing wrong with feeling those feelings that you feel, but it is important to know that you have agency over your life, just like Susan learned that she had to take away some of the plates and didn't even think about it up until right. somebody reflected that back to her. I was like, oh yeah, I can take some of these plates away. I right. 
can change my life and make it a little bit easier for myself. There is really no reason for you to put yourself up to these high bars that are completely fabricated. You know, it's okay to be a good enough mother. You don't have to be a perfect mother. There's no such thing as being a perfect mother, even though Instagram think we, otherwise. I think we should all aspire to be good enough mothers because as you said, there is no such thing as a perfect mother. We all have interests outside of raising children yeah. and we should allow ourselves to be the people we want to be without the pressure of trying to be perfect. Right. Now, Susan, you have a delightful book behind you, So Many Babies, that I would love for you to tell everybody what that's about. I wrote that book, So Many Babies, after I retired because I wanted to tell stories about what life in the NICU was like. There are a lot of NICU moms on social media talking about how horrible the experience was for them. And I'm sure it was dreadful and scary and traumatic. And for those who got to take their babies home, eventually it was wonderful and relieving. But the other side of the care are the doctors and nurses who take care of these very sick babies, tiny preemies, sick newborns. And I chose some stories of babies who thrived, whose parents were inspiring and courageous. Some of my favorite patients were in the hospital for six months. And I tell stories of those families and what I learned from them along the way. I also weave into that stories of my own motherhood experience, things that were challenging for me, things that worked out. My third child developed dyslexia at age five or six, and I didn't have a clue how to take care of it, much less have it evaluated. So things like that are in the book, telling stories of how I struggled as a mother and usually succeeded, got through the problems, helped my kids with what they needed. And I wrote those stories to reassure other working moms that what we're doing is really very difficult. We really are balancing lots of things. We're juggling lots of different things. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, we're doing a good enough job. And so I wrote the book to be reassuring to other working mothers that what they were going through was normal. Dr. Susan Landers, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. 